The first reading is from 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him, this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Amen. The second reading is taken from Acts 9, 1 to 15, Saul's conversion. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. 
The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Aeneas and come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Amen. Well done, thank you. Let's just pray together. Father God, thank you for your words. Lord, we pray that you continue to speak to us now. And that these are your words and not mine. Bless this time we share. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's a different theme I, I, I was expecting this week. It's a theme I've preached on before. And when it was first given to me, I was sort of nervous about it. Still am to a point. Because it's not that long ago that I actually preached about this or something like it. God has a plan for each one of us. And it's not that we're all going to be prophets and superstars, or in my previous sermon it was superheroes. But we are going to be effective witnesses for God. It's difficult to actually understand how you can be effective for God as you get older. But you can. God has a plan. Now, does any of you think that you're in this church by accident? Did any of you, as you're walking past the door, think, that coffee smells nice, I'll go in and try it? Did any of you think, I've got an invite to go to church, I'll go? Did any of you, was any of you looking for something? Was any of you struggling? That may have brought you in, but you are still here so if you're here what's God got planned for you the sermons that we've the readings that we've heard, um, heard and the songs that we've sung all talk about God knowing us since before we were born and the scriptural references are quite um, specific on that Luke chapter 12 verses 6 and 7 say Five sparrows are sold for two pennies, aren't they? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Why, even all the hers on your head have been counted. Stop being afraid. You are worth much more than a bunch of sparrows. 
Psalm 139 verses 13 onwards say, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Because before one of them came to be. That was written by the subject of our first reading this morning, David. Now we all know David's story. I mean, if we haven't heard about Goliath, we've just seen it. And we all know that he became a king of the Israelites. And he wrote the book of Psalms. But it's much more than that, David. God was, God's hand was on David from before he was born. All the way through his life. He was with him every step of the way. David wasn't perfect. David did not do everything right. David not, did not do everything that God wanted him to either. And he had to be forgiven a number of times. But David was in God's plan. If we read in the reading, God told Samuel to go to Bethlehem and offer a sacrifice and invite Jesse to bring all his kids before him. Now all Jesse's kids would have been brought up in a faith. But David was the chosen one. Now all of them would have been in God's plan. But David had a big plan. Right? Now what I'm trying to get at here is that we don't all have the same calling. Some of us are called to do big things. David. Saul. Some of us aren't called to do big things. We're called to do little things. But without the little things, the big things don't happen. When I showed you the video before of um, the Albert Hall, you'll think how, you know, if, if you're thinking like me, you're thinking that was an incredible experience. What you don't see is the 30 or 40 adults who were running around like headless chickens in the background, praying, preparing, getting costumes together, taxi driving, supporting their children, everything part of God's plan so that that could happen and deliver a message. Now, nobody's role in that was more important than theirs. I remember going to, to Blackpool the first time we ever went um, and we're performing down, down in, the, in the circus ring and I, I look up and Joel Nate was there and Edna Cutts and they were supporting us and praying for us and it was the first time I really recognised how much prayerful support went on in this church that supported the work that the people who had a higher profile but no more important to roll, did. It's important to know that. It's really important to know that because I know that people struggle with it. People struggle to get hold of the fact that they can't do standing at the front and preaching. <laughs> I'm not so sure I'm all that good at it. But the reality of it is, is that you don't have to. You are still 110% part of God's plan. There is no doubt about it. You are here for a reason. You've been chosen. You've been selected. You are God's child. Before Christmas, 
Jack encouraged me. You don't realise how much you encouraged me. When he said you'd talk to somebody and that they were coming, I think, to one of the do's or one of the churches. And it was just the fact that you'd been brave enough to share your faith. You've no idea what the outcome of that could be. I'll give you an example. There's a guy called Edward Kimball. He's an unsung hero. He was a Sunday school teacher. When I saw Edward Kimball, I immediately thought, who's this? The fugitive? Pray me down. Or maybe, and when, I, when I saw a Sunday school teacher, I wondered if he actually was the kindergarten cop. But maybe not that either. He was a Sunday school teacher and a shoe salesman who was deeply concerned for a cow worker named Dwight. One day, he mustered up the courage to talk to Dwight about his faith in Jesus Christ. Dwight converted to Christianity on the spot. Dwight later became known as D.L. Moody, the greatest evangelist of his time. Don't know much about Edward Kindle, but we've heard a little bit about D.L. Moody. Story doesn't end there. Years later, when Moody was preaching, a pastor named Frederick Mayer was deeply stirred as a result of Moody speaking. He went into preaching himself. A college student named Wilbur Chapman became a follower of Christ as a result of listening to Mayer preach. He later employed a young ball player to help him with his outreaches. That young boy's name was Billy Sunday, who became one of the most well-known evangelists of the day. He spoke, and somebody called Mordecai Ham became a preacher. And he spoke, and somebody called Billy Frank became a preacher. Billy Frank was later known as Billy Graham. Now that all started from Edward Kimball, Sunday school teacher, doing what God had planned for him to do. Now, we may look at our role in this church and say to ourselves, well look, I don't know what I can do. I don't know how I can get involved in this church. I don't know why God has called me here. I can tell you he has. He has called you for a reason. You need to find out what it is. You need to do it. Right? It isn't all about standing at the front. It isn't all about leading worship. It isn't all about making tea and coffee. It could be prayerful support. It could be financial support. It can be any sort of support. But you're here for a reason. And you need to find out what it is. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of finding it. Don't be afraid of doing it. And don't think you're too old. Right? I'm 62. I'm trying to forget. Now, I miss those years with the BB. I would love to go back and do them again. Or would I? Because I look at the kids that were there and who were touched. Coming into church... Two of them came to the Christmas service and sat in the front row, ace, waved. Others have brought their children in for baptism. I frequently see them in the pub. My job at that time was to sow seeds. It's not to make disciples of them. God does that. My job then was to make, to sow seeds. And that is what 
myself, Derek, Andy, the other leaders did at BB. With your help, all of your help, all those people who were here then praying for us, all of those people who were here then supporting us, who were the backbone of God's work in this church. You cannot be ashamed of that. You cannot be afraid of that. Just, just think on this. You are part of God's plan. This is God. This is the one almighty God. You are part of his plan. You are here for a reason. He knows you by name. He's talking to you. You may not be listening yet, but he's talking to you. The God who has been here forever, who has no limit, is looking at you. What are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you saying? How does it affect you? Think about it. Pray about it. David, Saul, went on to do two great things. Fantastic things. But if you read the sermon, the notes, or sorry, read the Bible readings, Ananias helped Saul. Right? Ananias didn't want to go and help Saul. He thought he'd get beaten up. He thought he'd get killed. He didn't want to go anywhere near him. But he went. It may be that God's telling you to go and talk to somebody that you don't like. If God's telling you to talk to somebody you don't, you don't like, get some courage. Remember that he's with you. Remember that he always is with you. God may be telling you to do something that you think, I can't do that. Why would he be telling you to do it if you can't do it? He'll only be telling you to do something if you can He'll only be giving you the strength to do it. Be confident. Know that this is God. This is God. And you and me are in his plan. Amen.